Welcome back to another episode of 16 Shining Moments presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Today, we are joined by none other than Jim Nance. Welcome into another episode of the Goodman and Hummel podcast. I'm Jeff Goodman. He's Robbie Hummel. And uh, we are pleased to be joined by uh, one of the greatest, period. One of the greatest, Jim Nance. Uh, Robbie had the idea of trying to get you on, Jim. And you and I had talked about this a couple years ago. And uh, I'm glad we could pull this off. Where are you now, first of all? What's in the background there? You know, I'm in my office at my home in California. I was able to leave Indianapolis for just two days at the midway point of uh, of uh, March Madness because I'm going to count the Big Ten weekend in Indy, and I'm going to count the first week of the tournament. And now uh, I'm going to be leaving shortly after this to go back for the regionals and the Final Four. So it's a good time just to come home and see the kids and and uh, take a little deep breath, go back, uh, go through the testing process all over again, go through quarantine, and, and go call some games. Yeah, it's crazy. The way it is in 2021, right? Uh, <laughs> hey, first of all, congrats on the new deal. Um, I don't know how long, but I hope I hope it's like 20-year deal at, at CBS. So we get you till you're like 81 or whatever. You know, we get you forever. So can you, I know I'm you, very, you uh, didn't get Romo money, though, did you? Uh, we're not going to discuss any of that, uh, at all. And uh, I'm very, very happy. And, um, uh, I got everything I asked for. Good. So there you go. So don't believe a bunch of, uh, headlines that somebody has, uh, some sort of, uh, ulterior motive to create a false narrative, which, which one guy did. So I had to live with that question about what you just asked when in fact, that's just not even true. So I'm, I'm happy. I work with great people. And um, look, CBS was the childhood dream for me to want to work for CBS. And um, I'm going to be working for CBS my entire career, which not many people can can say that they've got the loyalty that goes both ways. That makes me very happy. I got great people I work for and with. So what's it been like, Jim? I mean, this you're used to it at this point, but the going from NFL, Super Bowl to NCAA tournament to masters and, and trying to listen, I have a hard time just keeping up with college hoops. I, I don't know how you do it and can keep up with all three sports like that. It's easy when you're a fan, Jeff, you know, when, when it starts with the passion to watch and be invested in it, it's pretty easy. It takes a lot of work, a lot of processing. Um, I've been sitting here at home. Just this is a small thing. I don't know if you can see it, but just starting to, you know, put, putting some Michigan stuff to bed. I've got Michigan and Florida State as well as USC and Oregon on uh, on Sunday, and the reading, the visiting with coaches by Zoom, formerly in person. All of that is stuff that I really enjoy. Hey, I've been doing it for a long time, and I don't do a lot of regular season college basketball anymore because. I work every weekend, so it's not like I'm uh, slacking. It's just that um, you know something has to give. And when I hit March, I do 15 games. That's a lot of games, a lot of meaningful games. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I just love the tournament. It's so great to have it back. I mean, that's all I hear from people. I'm sure you are too, Robbie, as well. Isn't it great to have March Madness back in our lives again? I feel the same way. Totally. So you guys know each other a little bit, right, Rob? You, you and Jim had uh, didn't didn't he give you some award or something years ago? Yeah, the the low senior class award. Um, Jim, I, have to, I, yeah. I have to I have to tell you. So that's down in New Orleans, that Final Four, and 
you were were you the chair of it of the low senior class tour or you you emceed the event but you were in charge of it right i was uh, involved in um in putting it together and it was right. something i'm proud of and yes we were at the world war ii museum yeah robbie you were great and we crossed paths a few times after that i was a huge fan by the way jeff because i got to call some of robbie's games in the big 10 tournament and um don't build up his ego, Jim. We don't yeah, need to build up his ego anymore. He's, guy, he's definitely a guy that's, that's worth showering with praise because he does things right. And that's why he was uh, one of the uh, 10 honorees that year for the senior class award. Most meritorious. Well, I, I have to say, um, thank you for, for saying that, first of all. But at that banquet, we we had an awesome group of, of of people down there. They were up for the award and, and down there for the dunk contest and for the three-point shootout. So we had gone out on Bourbon Street. And I had – I mean, I was 22. I'd probably – those hurricanes will, will absolutely get you down there in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember going to the banquet, and you were so nice because I'd won the award and I knew I'd won it. And it was basically like an, it was a banquet with a bunch of Lowe's workers and you were emceeing it and you gave a little bio about me and I'd like stand up and wave. And I, I remember looking around and saying, I might, I might throw up on the table. I'm so hung over. And this guy, this Lowe's worker that was one of like the, I think they were like their, you know, workers that went above and beyond and got this trip to the final four. I remember him saying to me, he was like, dude, rough night on bourbon street, huh? <laughs> And I was like, that's like, I feel like death here. So I'm glad that I at least put on a show of, of seeming together, but I was not together on that morning. You pulled it off, man. I had no clue. I would have had no idea. You know, you, you've had so many awesome moments covering sports, golf, basketball, football. I, I know you can't pick one, but is there any that stand out? Or do you have like a favorite call that, that you've made in your career? You know, to me, it's much bigger than just a call. Yeah, sure. All almost cheapens the effort. You know, you boil it down to a three-second moment. If I want, I guess I, I ask you that because you're so good at nailing. No, no, no. You're, I'm not. I'm just saying. I get asked that a lot because social media has made it such that you, you know you can you can prepare for 40 hours for a game. You can be on the air for a three-hour football game, and then the way you call one play is what people think you like all week you prepared for. No, you have to be have the flexibility, the dexterity to be ready for any moment. If I had to boil it down to a call, let's deal with the basketball since that's our, our topic here. The Chris Jenkins shot in Houston in 2016 was, was really a, a fun moment to be in the middle of because uh, it was, of course, a game-winning shot for the national championship. And even better, as Villanova was bringing the ball up court, uh, Grant Hill just made this quick insertion of, hey, there's a uh, – uh, yeah. watch out for Jenkins because Jenkins yeah, was trailing the trailing. play. Yeah. And he didn't step on me. I didn't step on him. And I just was almost as if I was talking to Grant. I said, hey, he gets it to Jenkins, you know, for the championship. And of course the shot was all net. And I just love the fact there was teamwork involved in that 4.6 second moment of history. The fact that Grant was in it, I was in it. We did it as a team. That was kind of cool. Yeah. So I, that was my favorite. Mm -hmm. How different is it now, Jim, with this tournament? Like you said, you're doing everything through Zoom. Um, for me, it, obviously, listen, we're happy we have the tournament. No doubt about it. But it's, it's a totally different feel from 
what you and I are used to normally, which is the interaction with coaches in person. How, how much harder is that for you to be able to do your job or, or not that much? It's harder. Definitely harder. I'm usually at every practice leading into these games. I usually have access to the teams and the players and the coaches. Uh, take, take this week. We would have t- probably taken the first five of the four teams that we're doing in the regional semifinals and sit down with them, no cameras rolling, and just get to know their personality and who they are a little bit better. Anecdotal information. Get a sense of the spirit and personality of the team. And, of course, the coaches as well. Moreover, uh, calling the games in an, um, you know 25% filled arena is different. Totally. Yeah. That our broadcast location is different, Jeff. We're up maybe 20 rows, maybe 15 rows up from the court. It's a different angle. Uh, I'm not saying it's harder. Actually, kind of gotten to where I like this angle. I've done nine games here in the last two weeks. You can see a lot more of, uh, of uh, the What's place being, yeah, what they're trying to do. Um, but it all is different. The worst part of it, I actually, for me at this stage, we can get through all of that because we still do have the Zoom access. The worst part of it is I don't get to hang out with Raftery after hours. Okay. So, and Grant and Tracy. You get more sleep, Jim. You get more sleep now. You know, we, it's just fun. It's a festival. It's a celebration. And, you know, the protocols are such, and rightfully so. We go back to our hotel rooms and into isolation. So I miss it, man. I miss the festive uh, atmosphere of it all. Take Indianapolis. I love that town. I love being able to, you know, see on the st- sidewalks and streets, people celebrating and the excitement and anticipation of a game coming up or after a game or hanging out at St. Elmo and, and having, you know, having a, see the basketball community walk in the door. It's, you know, all those things. I'm selfishly speaking here, but I do miss all of that. Mm-hmm. Jim, I remember at the, the Lowe's deal, you told us a story about you and Freddie Couples in your mm-hmm. dorm room. Could, could you just share that conversation you guys had because i think it's so cool and prophetic right. we, we were roommates in college uh um, i was uh, masquerading as a golfer on the houston golf team that really truly was out of my element but i roomed with uh, three guys uh all of whom made it on the pga tour freddie had uh you know a hall of fame career i got to present him for the hall of fame and we used to uh daydream about what we wanted to do with our lives i wanted to work for cbs and um, that meant I wanted to work the Masters tournament. Mm-hmm. The Masters was a real draw for me. It, it, it inspired me to want to be in this industry since I was 11 years old. And Fred wanted to win the Masters. That was his goal. So we would sit around and talk about one day we're going to be in Augusta together. I'm going to be there working for CBS. And you're going to be wearing the green jacket. And one day we're going to be sitting in Butler Cabin for your green jacket ceremony. So... We talked about it. We even practiced it a time or two, dreamt, you know, kids just play acting and uh, fast forward 15 years out of college. No, actually it's less than that. 15 years from the first day we showed up in college, uh, Freddie was the master's champion. And I was the, I was at that time, the seventh year of broadcasting the masters for CBS. So it was a, it's, Hey, dreams come true. And you have to have a lot of people that help fuel that dream for it to happen. You know, it, it, there, there are fingerprints on all of these dreams. Freddie went in the masters, all the people that helped him, all the people that made me feel it was plausible and believable to get there one day. I didn't have, thankfully, a lot, a lot of uh, snarky friends who would ridicule and shoot it down and, 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 and take that belief away from me. 
and create doubt. I had believers around me who told me that, yeah, you're going to work for CBS one day. You're going to be doing that. And it made a profound difference on me in my life and my career. Did they, did they let you play Augusta the Monday after? Do you ever get in on the, the media round? I, I, I they, they do have a media day the day after. I don't, I choose not to even try to get into the lottery for that anymore. I come off the NCAA tournament and the Masters four days of coverage plus late night and all that. And I've played it so uh, so many times that, you know, someone else deserves to have a spot for the first time. Those are hard to come by. I get to play Augusta other times of the year. I've been lucky enough to be invited down as a guest uh, on many occasions. And and truthfully, my, my great joy is on Monday after the tournament to go out to Augusta and walk around uh, and just just look at the look at the course now empty, uh, and and just think about wow what what this last month has brought the NCAA tournament the Masters it's real really honestly it's a moment of deep reflection just to go out and give thanks a prayerful introspection of how fortunate I've been to go through this through this one month cycle again and I get in my car and I drive the Hilton head off to the next PGA tour event. And it's hard to come off of that. I got to tell you, it really is because there's so much energy that you're tapping into right now. And then all of a sudden it's, uh, it's over. I've been there twice and I don't think that Augusta TV does justice. I've been there for practice rounds and, and like how hilly it is, how just amazing the property is. It's like, it's like the most serene place ever. It's, um, HD changed things a lot. Uh, we used to hear that more often before. I mean, you say that like now we've had HD long enough where people say, gosh, I only remember television before that. But HD certainly brought a lot of the grade and the contour and, and the elevation. There's a lot more there. Take yeah. the 18th hole. Coming up the 18th hole, it's a, it's a pretty steep climb. And a TV has always flattened things out. Um, but we try our best. I, I promise you, that's our uh, that's a show that uh, some of us have on our minds. Three sixty five of how to best broadcast it, and it's such an honor to be uh, to be there. I'm going I'm going there in two weeks for the thirty sixth time. Before we continue that interview, I just had to let you guys know that it is that time of year again. We have waited two years for this moment, and it is finally here. March's biggest tournament is back. Gonzaga's getting ready to run the table. Slippers are being fit as we speak. And our partners over at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, are putting our listeners at the center of the action. How? If you bet $4 on an underdog in a select game this week and that underdog wins, you win $256. That's right, $256. Here's how it works. You download the app now. You use the promo code FIELD68 when you sign up. Scroll through the list of select underdogs, bet $4 on one of them to win, and cash $256 when they do. There is no better way for you to put your college hoops knowledge to the test and then to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. It's safe. It's secure. It's reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. I know this because I use them. So remember, The code is FIELD68, that's FIELD68, to turn $4 into $256. For a limited time only, must be 21 years or older. Restrictions apply. Go to DraftKings.com for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. To call it. That's crazy. 
you've interviewed a lot of uh, people over the course of your career. Um, who are some of the people that you just get excited that are, that are unbelievable interviews? Jim, you rattle off guys, whoever, whoever, whatever sport, but you know, like for me, like Mark view, I could talk to Mark view forever. Like he's just, he's real. There's no BS with him. He's a great storyteller. I mean, there's plenty more like hugs, whoever in, in college hoops, who are some of those people for you? Well, it's fresh in my mind. <clears throat> I talked to Jawan Howard yesterday for a long time and I covered his career and all those fab five days. And he was always a great guy to talk to back then. And uh, I was so impressed by seeing him now as the coach and the leader of, of young men and the way that he takes on this responsibility and how energized he is by it. It was awesome. And then I had Leonard Hamilton. And I mean, if you've ever had a chance to talk to Leonard, you, 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 you walk away thinking he could be one of the great motivational speakers of all time. So college sports, I find it almost to be imperative that you have an ability to deliver a message and for it to resonate with people. And, you know, Coach K, it's easy to talk about the top guys because he is awesome. Um, but I, I just, this is one thing I really love is to see guys that are in charge of their program and how they view it. And, and look, you have better access than, than any of us and you do it 12 months a year, but it's just, uh, it's just, uh, it's, uh, I, I, I'm into it for that reason to be moved, to be inspired. Uh, it, it means the world of me. I'm looking for some notes here from, from, uh, from Leonard. I'll lay one on you here. So this is fresh, but to, to me, he says he loves what he does. I don't ever have a bad day. The measure of how I want to be remembered as a coach goes way beyond wins and losses. I want to know if my players turn out to be good fathers, good husbands. Um, uh, I, it's a victory when I get to see them later on as leaders of their family. That's the record that I'm into. That's what I'm all about. When they call me and tell me that they're getting married, when they invite me to their wedding, when they ask me to be the godfather to their first child, those are the wins that people don't know about. And I'm in, man, I'm like, this is just incredible. I'm glad I could dispense with that. I'm not sure the game on Sunday is going to give me the time to go through all of this because yeah, it moves yeah. so fast. But that's just a snapshot into what these guys are like. And it's impressive. It goes so far beyond. I know that ultimately the university is going to determine whether to keep them or not. If they're winning tournaments, win winning games, winning conferences – but there's this layer here that they don't get credit for that um, it, it it means something. It means a lot to people. They're making a difference. Robbie, you can relate to this, I know. And um, that's been my favorite thing about being around college basketball all these years. It really is, is getting to know these these, these leaders. Who, who's the one guy, Jim? Everybody, I'm sure you've been asked this question, but the one guy you haven't been able to interview that you would love to sit down with. I can't think of who that would be, honestly. I mean, really? I've been, there's not anyone in college basketball that I would like to have had a visit with. I mean, John Wooden, I'm going to go way back. Yeah. I got uh, I got to have a lot of time with Coach Wooden in his retirement years. I even went to his home, his condominium, and visited him a few times. Really? And talked philosophically about life. So there's no one there. Uh, I can't really think of anyone's ever turned me down. Not that 
I'm not beyond being turned down. It's just I've been at it long enough that eventually we've crossed paths with all these people and in in whether it's basketball, football, or golf. You know, I had uh, talking to Juwan yesterday. <laughs> this one I love, but he remembered it. Uh, that that impressed me that he remembered that. And I hadn't caught up with him during his NBA days. I, I'm, I don't follow it. I'm not around it. I'm not credentialed to go around the game. I watch it, but I'm not at the games. But the last time I saw Jawan was in Paris. Really? And, and uh, the, the Michigan basketball team was playing over in Europe. And as bizarre as this sounds, I'm deep in contemplation looking at Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa. When all of a sudden I look down the corridor to my right and I see what appears to be a basketball team in warmups coming toward the Mona Lisa. And I think, <clears throat> wait, wait, what's going on here? I'm, I'm, Where am I? Am I, am I have a moment here standing in front of the Mona Lisa or whatever. Next thing you know, it's Steve Fisher, Chris Riley, who was on that team yeah. from Eric Riley. Eric Riley from Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, he was. I've I've seen Eric. He's doing some great work with uh, with some kids in 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 Cleveland and Jawan, and they were actually going through the Louvre. And I was with my dad, and uh, Coach Fisher was great. And my dad, who's been gone now for a while, was so impressed that the coach took his team to the Louvre. You know, a lot of a lot of. Coaches would take a team on a European trip and whatever, basketball practice. Would they give them the cultural experience? Would they give them the opportunity to broaden? And he just loved interacting with the kids on the team. And I can still remember my dad shaking Steve Fisher's hand and saying, thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for what you're doing for these kids. You know, thanks for like this really is my dad was just blown away. He kept he was effusive in praising the coach for taking his team to the Louvre. Anyway, Jawan had a memory of that. It's a long time ago now. You know, we're coming up on almost 30 years. Crazy. And that meant a lot to me that that stuck with him too. Those are the little kind of stories that you want, you, you, you end up writing a book and you feel really blessed that you- Behind the scenes, you know, behind the scenes stuff. stuff, right? Right. That's what it's all about. Like, like to me- I did a story a couple of weeks ago on Baylor, how everybody got to Baylor. Each player talked to all 12 of them. And uh, you have to talk to Mark Vidal. If, if you're doing a Baylor game, you and Robbie can attest to this too. He's, he's met Mark Vidal. You have to. And, and Jared Butler is like the salt of the earth kid ever. Like he'll run for president one day. Mark Vidal is so entertaining, so much fun. Those are the things. Like, those, those, like you said, the interaction. The human interaction with these guys, that's the hard part, I think, probably for all of us, um, you know, at, at this tournament. You know, there's a, there's a ton of those stories. I just hope I can get to them uh, this way through Zoom and access wise. But I will. I expect that a very strong chance I will see Baylor uh, next week. I don't think I'm going to have them this week. We haven't had our assignments yet for the regional finals. I don't know which which bracket we're going to do. But whether it was doing the senior class uh, award, which Robbie referenced, or whether it's hosting the opening ceremony to to the Final Four, which we don't have this year, and I've done every year since 1991 in Indianapolis, uh, I love getting the access to know the kids. 
Yeah. Getting to know the kids. I've talked about the coaches, how much that means to me. But to get to know these kids and then later in life, oftentimes running into them, like Eric Riley, whoever it might be. And you don't realize at the time that, you know, like, I think that's true for the kids, too. They don't – later on in life, you appreciate all these experiences that you had and the people you got to meet. And uh, it, it just means more when it's down the road and you, and you meet again. Jim, you give out your tie to the MOP of the Final Four every year. And it's, not it's, anymore. No, no, not anymore. No. Why? You're done. You're done? Why did it stop? You can't do it this year? I haven't done it for years. Oh, really? No. It, oh. It, 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 uh, it lost control of the narrative. It turned out to be, you know, uh, a victim of, um, of uh, social media and, That's you know, insane. disbelievers and snarkyism. And uh, I just don't do it. I mean, it was meant as a good-hearted – uh, yeah, I think it's at, sweet. I mean, you're the voice yeah, of, you know, of the Final Four. The nicest thing about it is I did it for a number of years, and the, the, the genesis of it was um, for that opening ceremony event in 2006, one, one of the events there, uh, I was interacting with the Florida team. And, and you know, Florida had all these famous fathers yeah. that, that – uh, Joakim Noah, Yannick's son, and uh, and you know, on and on. Sidney Green's son, on and on. Well, Corey Brewer didn't have a famous father. And, and their SID told me about Corey's dad, who was in very poor health. And uh, his dad was unable to make it to the Final Four. I spent a lot of time with Corey during the tournament. And I admired him so much. And I just thought, he's a great player. And maybe so much of this team is defined about these other fathers. Meanwhile, his father was fighting for his life back in Portland, Tennessee. So I told him before the game, I said, Hey, you go have a great game. And by the way, I want you to know, I don't know what prompted me to say this. I'm going to, I'm going to give a shout out to your dad today on, on the broadcast. Cause I know you love your dad just as much as your teammates love their fathers. And I, I want your dad to know that you're thinking of him. He goes, that would be awesome. Mr. Nance, would you, I've said done. And I did. He ended up, um, being the first guy I ever handed a tie to. I just saw him on the floor after all the celebration and I gave him the tie. The tie always was symbolic to me uh, in a lot of ways, not to get too whacked out here, but you know, my dad taught me how to tie a tie. I'm sure that's true for a, a lot of people who are listening to this. And every time I put that knot together, try to get it right. Uh, I think about my dad standing behind me and looking into a mirror and trying to tie my tie for me. It's almost like a comfort zone for me that, get ready for a broadcast. I think of my dad as I'm putting my tie on. Um, so the tie had some symbolism there and, and I handed it to Corey and said, Hey, I want you to have this and um, you know, take it back. You can have it or you can, you know, give it to your dad. But man, it's been such a pleasure to get to know you. Well, he came back. They won a championship uh, back to back years. And Fred, uh, the, the SID at Florida, told me the next year at the final four that that tie I'd given Corey hung on the hook in his locker the entire season. He had it in his locker. I thought, you're kidding me. He says, man, it just meant a lot to him, the symbolism of it. And I thought, well, if that meant something to him, that meant something to me. So I did it for a few more years. I did it to players that I was inspired by who uh, I thought went above and beyond. Uh, you know, it wasn't about who the best score was it was people that like got the most out of the college experience so the last time i did it was 2016 and archie ryan archie diacono i gave the 
the tie to, um, you know, steeped in Villanova tradition and history and uh, with his family and all. And again, he was a great leader. It had gone through uh, Quinn Cook, um, Peyton Siva, and, and all of these guys later on, there was a writer out to get the truth of this story. Like there was some scandal here. Right, right. And every, every player that they called that I'd given it to over those 10 years said it meant something to them and it was in their trophy case. Meant a lot to me, but it became like, who would want Jim's sweaty tie? Well, first off, I don't sweat. I don't, I don't, I, I don't sweat when I'm calling him. I don't sweat through a tie. It was meant to be a quiet gesture that no one would know about. But once it got hijacked, I thought, you know what? I'm not going to put that burden on anyone where a media guy is going to come up and make fun of it and belittle the kid and, and take that moment away from him. So I, I opted not to do it anymore. It's too bad because it was actually meant to be a good-hearted gesture to, uh, to, to a kid that was doing things the right way, in my mind. I, I looked at it like it was a goal. Like, I knew you were doing it, and I was like, I mean, that means we're in the Final Four, and that means that I was balling out. So, <laughs> both of those, it's like, I, I think it's a shame that it doesn't happen. Uh, it's I get where you're coming from. You know, it's social media changes things. They, they can sometimes, uh, and I don't, you know, I'm going to say this as someone who does not have a single social media account. So, I, I, I don't have Twitter. I don't have Facebook. I don't have Instagram. I've never done any of that. You don't have never any of those? You don't have anything? Zero. Zero. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it's not right. Sounds hey, out of touch. I'm going to reevaluate that, by the way, soon. I no, am. don't, don't, Jim, okay. Jim, Jim. Trust me, life is better without it all. Life yeah, is well, it's simpler. Uh, from somebody who knows, like, don't. Do I got a theory on this one. Okay, I asked, did a random straw poll of my CBS colleagues uh, a couple years ago, and I asked them how many hours in a in a day do you figure that you're on your phone checking all your social media accounts because I see them on the phone sitting at dinner you know you can't carry on a conversation because they're you know they're on the phone whatever and and I would say if I averaged it out it was two hours a day that people yeah probably Jeff you probably spent a couple right right I have two hours a day is 14 hours a week I don't need to tell you that's one almost one full waking day and you know what that that day in a week I'm going to dedicate that to my three kids, to my wife, to, to my research. I know that's a good avenue, by the way, to research. Everybody talks about that, but I just don't want to go into that realm right now. So I, I figured I'm busy enough. I can barely keep up with all the texts and emails as it is and phone calls. So I don't know, need another thing to feel like I have to have a maintenance with. And that's why I, I'd rather have my 14 hours a week doing what I want to do with my life. Maybe go play around and golf. Yeah. You know, more importantly, maybe just go hang out with my kids instead of being tethered to that thing and feeling like I've got to be in that bubble. Uh, I'm not in it. Well, listen, uh, we appreciate you. Uh, you're coming on the pod. Uh, always good to see you uh, next year. You know, we'll, we'll do this one maybe in person. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it that out. Would be nice. in person. I admire you both, Jeff. I've known you a long, long time. You, you've done wonders in everything you've done in media. you got a lot of friends and a lot of respect. And Robbie, um, man, I got to tell you, I, I I think back to, you know, your your team back in 09. I can still see you run up and down the floor. And, I, you know, I grieve for you in a lot of respects that you, you you had to battle the need for so long. But, man, what a what a tremendous credit to the game you've been. And um, I wish you all the best. I really do. I think you guys have got something here. So it's a pleasure to be on. I hope we can do it again. 
Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Be safe Thanks, and uh, look forward to seeing you from afar uh, over the weekend. Yeah, don't break the bubble now, okay? <laughs> Listen, I'm, I, I just want to know, I, what I wanted to do for this podcast was I wanted to get uh, order some St. Elmo shrimp for, for Robbie. I may do it next week. He's in Evansville right now doing the D2 championship uh, Saturday. Next week on our pod, I'm going to have Rob have like two orders of the shrimp, and we'll see if he can get through it. We'll see. Hey, I get, I get, off Robbie Hummel really is. We used to eat at St. Elmo's the night before we'd play in Indianapolis and bring it on. I'm ready. I've been preparing <laughs> for this since college. You're a tough guy. You're a tough guy. Well, I miss my St. Elmo's so much. I have one of those bricks that's outside the restaurant. Yeah. If you, if you, you might not know this, but if you're on the sidewalk, years ago they were running some sort of campaign to upgrade the area. If you bought a brick, you got some sort of like $50 donation and a $50 gift card to St. Elmo's. Well, I was one of the first to buy a brick because I love those folks. Craig, Chris, April, everybody that's there, Dave. I go way back with these folks. Um, and that would be my office. And that downstairs wine cellar with a TV, anytime I had a Colts game, it was reserved. Final fours, it was reserved. I can't step foot in it now. Yeah, not allowed to. So, Jeff, I don't know what you're doing. Are you eating inside the restaurant or are you getting takeout? No, I brought it back to the uh, the, the beautiful residence in two bedroom uh, deal that I have here. In I, I could the residence in. I see that. Listen, I got the the fridge behind me, Jim. I'm I'm good. It's not your fist uh, through the freezer there. Yeah, the den. The about it. No, that was not me. That was, listen, <laughs> don't bill me for that. Whatever, whatever you do, don't bill me. I didn't. No, I have a ritual. Well, well, I, this one, I know people like have taken these things to crazy heights with the tie. Uh, my supposed uh, fixation on burnt toast, all these crazy things that just happen when you you know you live under a microscope. But this brick in Indianapolis is a big deal to me to have my brick outside of St. Elmo's, and it becomes kind of a running gag. Anytime a CBS sports team comes into Indy, I have people that come; they'll go and take a picture of the brick. Hey, I stopped by to see your place. Brick. So it's four inches by six inches. So that's twenty-four inches. That's two square feet, okay? I own property, the way I look at it. I'm a resident of Indianapolis. And I have been known a time or two, just as a gag, as a sight gag, to go down, when we're not in COVID era, to go down with a toothbrush and a bottle oh. of water, clean my brick, and it's fun. Yeah. It's my property, man. I can do whatever I want. So then oh. I had this other ritual. This is going to sound silly. I'm, I don't want to start anything up. Please don't tweet it. But I would come out of the restaurant, and my ritual was I would do a push-up into the brick and kiss the brick. Come okay, on. Okay, so that was egged on by my teammates, probably after a little too much red wine has been consumed. <laughs> oh, man. Peyton happened to pull up at a time when I was, uh, I was outside, and it was, he was curious. He pulled, rolled down the window in a Suburban and he said, what in the hell are you doing over there, Nance? So, <laughs> anyway, it's all about having fun. Thanks, Jim. We appreciate it. Be well, and uh, we'll talk soon. Jeff, thanks. Robbie, thanks. All the best, guys. Take care, Jim. Jim. Good to see you.